All right. Well, as we celebrate Canada Day and the diversity of our nation, a conversation has emerged over the last few years about the disappearance of predominantly black communities in the city and the shrinking black population in Toronto. My next guest has been studying this trend, assistant professor of urban planning in tr- at the Toronto Metropolitan University. Dr. Nimoy Lewis joins me now. Dr. Lewis, thanks for joining me this morning. Uh, thanks for having me this morning. So, Dr. Lewis, you were quoted uh, extensively in a recent article I read uh, on this topic in the Globe and Mail. And what we saw in the 1970s in the height of the multiculturalism policies uh, was an influx of black immigrants that settled in areas of of the city uh, that saw a concentration of other black Caribbean immigrants. But that it, but that's changing. You say uh, due to rising rent, landlords are evicting tenants from historically black neighborhoods. Uh, more than ever. Talk to me about this. So what has been happening across the city? Um, I would say uh, since maybe the mid 2000s, um, a number of different types of landlords have been entering the market um, and especially entering the market in spaces that are predominantly occupied by uh, Black Torontonians. Uh, The difficulty is that a lot of these landlords are corporate types of landlords. So like your private equity firms, your asset management firms, your real estate investment trusts. And these companies have uh, one goal in mind, and and that goal is motivated by profits. Uh, But in turn, what happens is because of that profit motivation, um, a lot of these communities have become uh, vastly unaffordable to a low, uh, to a number of low and moderate income households in these communities. And part of this trend has really started with uh, a number of investments by different levels of government in terms of local infrastructure with uh, projects like the Eglinton LRT and the Finch uh, West LRT. Yeah. And a lot of these projects, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I interrupted. Go ahead. And so a lot of these projects um, have attracted the likes of developers and these types of landlords to these particularly uh, historically disinvested spaces by um, all levels of government. And so it's a, it's 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 become an attractive space to invest. Uh, but as a result, um, it has become a space now that's vastly unaffordable for a lot of the longstanding residents in these communities. And we see this happen a lot across our country, right? Gentrification uh, as well, where, you know, areas that uh, were not invested in for many years all of a sudden are seen as valuable properties, as you said, for developers. And and you also pointed out uh, the Eglinton LRT, which, by the way, has also hurt and destroyed many Black-owned businesses uh, in that area. Uh, But these areas that were not invested in, talk to me about about the impact that what does that mean for the black communities that live in those areas? Where are they going? Well, I think that's the big question, right? I think no one knows where they're going, but we know that they are leaving the city because uh, the one thing that's uh, that's uh, very prevalent in the city is the rise of these types of landlords and the increase in uh, development activities in these neighborhoods. Um, and part of and part of the big issue is that you have um, a lot of folks who are unable to afford the rents um, are moving. You know, from from the research that we've uh, we've been doing. 
Uh, some folks are moving as far as Guelph. Some folks are moving as far as Kitchener-Waterloo because they just find that the city is is vastly unaffordable. And um, and as these as these particular types of landlords uh, proliferate across the city, um, they're not just in black neighborhoods, uh, predominantly black neighborhoods, but they're proliferating across the city. And as such, um, you know, a lot of folks, you know, are unable to afford the rents uh, that these uh, particular landlords charge. And the big concern that I think um, politicians should have and policymakers is is that we're slowly creating income polarized cities when where only the wealthy uh, can afford. Um, and I think that, you know, we should fear that uh, urban centers like Toronto are going to become less diverse. And I think everybody would celebrate, uh, you know, development and neighborhoods being cleaned up and uh, nicer buildings being uh, built and so forth. But what I hear also is there needs to be more thought into affordable and deeply affordable housing for those who have called these communities home. And your worry is that, you know, we're going to lose uh, culture, we're going to lose history. But I think most importantly, we're going to lose a sense of community in some of these areas. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, one of the things is that, you know, we're, we can't just, as I mentioned in the article, we can't just focus on uh, the loss of people in these communities. Um, we have to think about uh, the spaces that uh, these folks have been able to create, the histories that they've been been able to create in the face of urban and social policies that have largely left them behind. Um, and so as we see that uh, there are um, uh, new investments that are coming into the community, and I think that there are efforts by the city in trying to create cultural districts, which I'm still very unfamiliar what that is. Um, but I think what these folks really need is deeply affordable housing, um, and housing that's not just made affordable for a five-year, 10-year, or 25-year period, inclusive of a five-year phase-out period where these homes return to market rent. Uh, these communities need homes that are going to be affordable in perpetuity and not just affordable uh, for prescribed um, um, time in, um, in, in these sort of developments. Um, and so this is why I argue we can't just focus on supply, but we also have to think about the policies that are causing us to lose our existing supply of housing to ensure that we're having a net gain when we're actually building new housing. Dr. Lewis, do you think this this is intentional? Do you think that there's an active move to exclude certain racialized communities from community or racialized communities from the parts of the city? Or do you think this is a, a symptom, an unfortunate symptom and reaction to gentrification? It's hard for me to believe that it's an unfortunate symptom, mm -hmm. largely because um, when we think about, you know, what are the communities that are are, are always the the prime targets of uh, gentrification process? These are often uh, racialized and economically disenfranchised communities. Like we don't hear about gentrification that's happening in Rosedale. We don't hear about gentrification that's happening in Yorkville, uh, but we continue to hear about gentrification that is happening in, you know, racialized and economically disenfranchised communities all the time. 
time. And yes, you know, by, by way, yes, it's, you know, it's a symptom in terms of, you know, what comes along with this new investment. Uh, I, I don't disagree that we need new housing, but I think that we need um, housing, that new housing that people in a vast amount of Torontonians can actually afford. And at the current moment, we know that construction costs are high. We know that um, uh, the cost of borrowing is high. So as such, we know that those costs are going to be downloaded to the consumers. And we know that uh, the new housing that's being created is vastly unaffordable because we know that income isn't rising at the same pace as the costs uh, of some of the costs uh, to build this new housing. And also when we look at the fact that Black Canadians you know, statistically, even though we don't have clear stats, we we know from the data that we do have make significantly less than uh, white counterparts. And so that all obviously plays a role in the process of being able to own a home. We also know that black Canadians own less homes uh, or own less property in Canada than other uh, groups as well. And, and so there's a cyclical effect that happens as well, uh, that doesn't add to the community. What is the city of Toronto losing if this, you know, this significant group of our city slowly disappears and we look around and we don't have little Jamaica anymore and we don't have, you know, again, historically black communities uh, in the city? I think we're losing the vibrancy of what these community adds to the fabric yeah. of this city. Uh, I think we're losing the history um, and the culture uh, that, you know, these communities add, as I mentioned, to the fabric. Um, and I think if we continue down this road, um, you know, we're not going, you know, yes, you can, you know, create these special districts that celebrate um, the history and culture of these folks. But what good is those celebration if the folks that you're actually celebrating are not even uh, physically in these communities no longer? Yeah, such a great point. Thank you so much, Dr. Lewis, for your time today. Oh, thank you for having me.